0: Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message.
1: So, as, as I've been working through uh, the teaching schedule um, during this transition, I thought it would be a good idea Uh, to hear from our past as we look to our future. And so we have a very special guest here uh, today, and it's appropriate, being on Father's Day, that our founding pastor, Rick Donahoe, is here uh, to teach for us this morning, and his lovely wife, Sandy. Thank you guys for coming out here from Texas, from Dallas, Texas, where he's serving as a chaplain, and doing a lot of funeral work out there, so Rick, come on up and, and share with us. <laughs> Thank you, David. I, uh, when David called me and asked me if I would do this, uh, he actually gave me the assignment as to what he wanted me to say. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he said, uh, would you take uh, part of your message and, and give us a history of the first 15 years while you founded the church and pastored the church the first 15 years, and then after that, do a Father's Day message, and then he gave me a time limit. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to do that here, so. <clears throat> I wanted to tell David that... Um, you might as well get used to adult children needing money because it doesn't end <laughs> A young boy was asked the little boy was asked said, what what is Father's Day and uh, he said well it's, it's kind of just like Mother's Day except it doesn't cost as much um, <laughs> this month is the 28th birthday of New Covenant Church uh, it was it was uh, <laughs> it was in um, June of 1994 that we had our first meeting and so what I've decided um, since I want to be able to do this and do it very succinctly and get it uh, done in my time limit and um, then i want to um, but i I want to just focus on the miracles that god performed in bringing this church together and getting it to this place where it is in this building uh, and those first 15 years Rather than giving you a lot of detail on it, I just want to focus on those major things that, uh, that happened in that. And um, so a couple of things are going to be personal miracles that took place in my life. But you're going to be able to see how when those things happened to us, they became a part of New Covenant Church in there. So... About two years prior to 1994, Sandy and I started uh, knowing that God was moving us to come back to Albuquerque to uh, start a, a new work here. And, um, and through a lot of, of prayer and thought into how we would begin this church and why we would do it, I had spent all of my ministry basically in very large churches and um, there, so much of the focus of large churches is, is uh, numbers and growth and those kind of things like that and uh, I just wanted to be in a place where I could um, have a very personal relationship with the church and a very personal ministry with the church and that's why we chose the name New Covenant because in, in Hebrews it says for this reason Christ is the mediator of the new covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the, the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom and set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant And um, the idea of a new beginning and a new covenant, Found up in what Christ had done for us in the new covenant, in the shedding of his blood, in preparation for forgiveness of our sins, is how that name came about. So we had to have a place to meet. When we left the church um, that we were serving at that time in Texas and came, came to New Mexico, we, we knew that we were going to be bivocational. We knew that we would be start the church in our home and uh, the only problem was we didn't have a home and um, we had to we had to have a place to meet and we knew that uh, it was going to take uh, a mortgage some money to be able to get into a home. We found a a place that uh, we loved uh, down on the river. Uh, basically, and uh, Sandy came out and looked at it and uh, we we made a commitment to buy it i'd never seen it and uh, she uh, fell in love with it and the only problem was we were living in a church house uh, in in the the church was providing for us, so we didn't have a home to sell uh, to have money in there, but we had enough money for uh, a down payment and for two months of mortgage payments and um, so fortunately I knew a uh, gentleman here in the city who was a strong Christian man who was the president of a mortgage company so I went to him and to ask for a mortgage for our home and uh, he wanted to know how we were going to pay for it and I said well here's the thing Um, (laughs) I have a down payment i have I can make two months of payments. I have a son that's starting college, and um, I don't have a job and um, and I have a vision and so I told him about New Covenant Church and what the thought was and the plan was and what we would do and I want you to know it was almost like the force in star Wars it. The Spirit of God moved over that man, and he pushed a mortgage through for us with no job, no church, no hope of ever making the third payment, and, uh, and he pushed that mortgage through for us, and God provided on that, and for the next 17 years we were in that home, we never missed a payment uh, in that. Now, that's where we began meeting. So we began meeting in our home, in our living room. Uh, we turned the couch around, and behind the couch was the nursery, and under the piano was the children's room. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so um, that's where we began meeting, in, uh, in that, uh, a- at the house there. And it didn't take us long. In just a matter of moments, it seemed like, there were about six of us, six others of us that started that, that day. The, t- the, we grew outside of the house. So we moved to another, a second home in the neighborhood, so that the adults were meeting in that home and the children stayed uh, under the piano in our home. And uh, we um, uh, obviously, and then we began to grow and we outgrew the two homes and um, we we needed some place to meet. But not only that, I needed a third payment on the house and uh, so I needed a job. So I was applying everywhere I could apply. I applied at Walmart, I applied at rent-a-car companies and nobody would hire me. I couldn't get a job at Walmart Uh, and um, but fortunately God was in control of all of this and uh, um, so somebody said to me well Hope Christian School needs substitute teachers so I went down there and applied and I started in uh, that uh, that fall, started as a substitute teacher at uh, at Hope Christian School, and about the same time, uh, the owner of French Mortuary came to me and asked if I would go to work for them too. So I now had two jobs, neither of which I had thought about, but both of those jobs, you'll see how played into what God was doing with New Covenant Church. After we uh, were meeting, now we're three months four months into meeting in our two homes and we're out of space in that in those two homes one day while i was at uh at hope uh, teaching there uh, wayne aylert uh, came to me and uh, he said would you like to have your church meet in our multi room and i said would i <laughs> and uh and out of, out of nowhere, that invitation came. So we started meeting at Hope Christian School in their multi-purpose room in two little rooms upstairs there uh, in that. And we became, at that time, a mobile church. Uh, because what happened was, we were there for a year and a half, and uh, every Saturday night, we went down to Hope. We took down all of their uh, setup and put our setup up. We made we had a portable stage that we, uh, that we put together uh, and so every Saturday night we would put those take their setup down, put ours up after church on Sunday morning we'd take our setup down, put their set up, clean the rooms and put their setup back up and we did that every Saturday night for a year and a half and we continued to grow. And we needed to go more space, so we went into one of their portable buildings. They let us have a portable building. We needed more space, so we went into another portable building. And finally, one day, while I was on campus, Wayne Aylert came to me and said, You know what? Y'all need to go somewhere else. <laughs> so said <laughs> so, so you, you, Your needs are much greater than what we can meet here. So... We started looking, and about that same time, and this is how God uh, put these jobs together in this, about that same time, um, there was a church meeting in the YWCA, which is your building right over here, and uh, they they left their church. Their church sort of disbanded, and they needed to leave, and we needed some place to go, and we walked across the street. And came to the administration of the of the Y and said can we start using your building and we only they were meeting in it using it and we could only use it on Sundays so they agreed to that so we moved from Hope over to the YWCA and once again uh, we only had the building on Sunday so every Saturday night we came down took all of their setup down, put all of our setup up after church on Sunday. We took all of our setup down, cleaned the rooms, put all of their setup up. And that went on for another year and a half. So for three years, every Saturday night, we had a group of people that really banded together uh, as we came down and took and um, took setup down, put our setup up, and... Um, and took theirs down. took ours down and put theirs back up in there. And that went on for another year and a half. And during that time, um, the, those of you that when you look into that building over there and you see the meeting room, it was about half the size it is now when we were meeting in there. So we had just grown out of that building. We had children sitting on the floor. We, had, we asked children to sit in your parents' laps so that we would have room for people to meet uh, over there and everything, but uh, we needed a place to go. And our elders, our godly elders, prayed and dis- and we we picked out a quadrant of the city that we felt like we wanted to be in, and which is basically where we are now. And uh, so we started looking, and uh, we looked to the east, and there was a church for sale there. That didn't work. We looked to the south, and there was a church sale down on... Wyoming and Montgomery and that didn't work out uh, in there and, and it, we needed some place to go because we just didn't have the room in that one little space we had over there. Well one day another miracle occurred. Uh, I was over there in the, in the building and the administrator from the Y, whom we had several times asked if we could buy that property, it was the building and three acres of land over there The administrator from the Y came to me and said "Um, we have found another building that really meets our needs better than this one would you be interested in buying our building and I'm trying to contain myself um, (laughs) while she's doing that and I said well what what do you want for it and they gave me a number and I said well let me go to our elders and talk to our elders about it and and then we'll get back with you. Well, we were able to negotiate that and uh, purchase that building and three acres of land in the heart of where Albuquerque was growing at that time. Now, this is 1997, so you got to realize that from Wyoming, between, between Holly and Paseo, from Wyoming almost all the way to the interstate was nothing, I mean, it was dirt. Uh, we were, there was something right there at the corner of Wyoming, and then there was the YWCA building, and then there was nothing all the way to the interstate, basically that way, and, and our elders saw this was the area that we wanted to be. They could see that the city was growing this direction, and not only that, this was some of the most prime property in the city of Albuquerque at that time because of the way the city was growing Uh, in that area. So um, we bought that property and we needed more space right away. So the property to our west, which is this property, was not available to us uh, in any way shape or form. We looked at there were there were uh, developers from the east that were buying this property and going uh, all the way toward the interstate. So we were trying to go to the east. And all of the lots to the east of the property were individual acre lots, all owned by different individuals, some tied up in inheritances and all that sort of thing. Uh, and, and we couldn't get anybody to move. Finally, we got one person to move and we bought one more lot over there. And uh, it, it just wasn't, uh, wasn't working in that um, where we were going to be able to get any more land to build a new building on at that point there. About that time, one of the families that was uh, attending our church was a member of the church. As a result of the work I was doing at, uh, at the funeral home, a Mar- French funeral home at that time, uh, came to me. We had tried to buy this piece of land which was owned by a restaurant here in the city. And uh, there were developers from the East that were trying to buy this land too. However, this family in our church was good friends with the owner of that restaurant. And that family convinced the owner of that restaurant to give us a chance to buy this land that this whole property sits on right now. So we, uh, we were in competition with developers back from the East who had tons of money. and uh, and uh, to buy this piece of land. But because of that one family that had this relationship with this uh, restaurant owner, we were able to buy this piece of property that, uh, that this building now sits on in there. And uh, we were grateful for, for that privilege to do that. As a matter of fact, right after that, Sandy and I were having dinner down at, at that restaurant. Um, and uh, the owner came to us, and he w- was regretting selling us the land. <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm sorry, you can't have it back." <laughs> at that uh, at that point. So, um, so that was that was how we got to this point, uh, and and buying this this land, and then all of the things that were related to architects and all of that. But I want to tell you what the greatest miracle of all was. It was not all of these lands and jobs and things that God put together. It was obvious this is the location that God had for this church. And it was obvious that God had his hand on the vision for this church. Um, and, and you are a, a, a God-gifted church. And uh, your future is going to be the same kind of miracles that God has performed in the past in this church. But the greatest miracle of all was the people that God brought to this church. It seemed like at every point where we had a need, we had somebody in the church that could take care of that need. Whether it was a lay person to lead our small group ministry um, uh, or someone to lead music or children or youth or missions. When I staffed our church, I always staffed to my weaknesses, which were many. So uh, I had to hire people that could do all of those things or or lay people to do all those things. But the interesting thing was what God gave us in people. Now, if we needed, for example, when we had the Y over here and we had that, it was a dirt parking lot. Those of you that can remember, it was just all dirt. There was no pavement over there. Well, we did happen to have somebody in our church that worked for a road building company. And they were tearing up I-40 out here. And uh, they needed some place to dump all that asphalt. And he made sure that that asphalt was dumped here. And then he brought his road grader up here and put it all down there and everything. God put that family in our church. Or whether it was someone who we needed carpenters uh, to, to build in that building over there. Electricians or sound or real estate or legal uh, or if it was just laborers that we needed, um, we had all of, all of that in there. And so the people that God put in this church was the greatest miracle. But the thing I want to emphasize through all of this is that from the very beginning, God knew he, he, this is what he wanted to happen here in the city of Albuquerque. And, uh, and he put his blessing upon new covenant church in that and in 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 considering just the individuals in that i want to share with you the story uh, really for uh, sort of a father's day message but more than that just a a message to 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 our our men as the kind of man that um, god wants wants to use and i've chosen a, a passage Uh, over in Philippians where Paul is uh, talking uh, about those who helped him in ministry and the particular man that he picks out is a man called Epaphroditus. I know all of you know who that is and uh, you know the story of Epaphroditus but he is a marvelous character in uh, in Scripture in there and uh, there are several things that Paul says about Epaphroditus, uh, that that we can assume from here the kind of man that he was. Because he, he helped Paul, the first thing we see in this, that he was a man of compassion. Because his his primary focus was to meet Paul's needs while he was in prison in Rome. And so he was a man of compassion. I'm going to fly through this quickly here. I also know that he was a man of character, um, and the interesting thing about this is because he was, su- he was successful in ministry because he was unwilling to conform to a godless society around him, and um, more and more and more today, we as Christian believers are going to have to be unwilling to conform to godless societies, that, that uh, society that is coming around us, um, and, and he was a trusted man. We know that he was trusted and we know that he was a man of integrity. Uh, but we also know that because his name is Epaphroditus, he, he came out of a, um, a pagan or origin because his name literally means belonging to Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was the goddess of sensuality. But here we see the power of the gospel. Uh, we don't know how Epaphroditus be- became a Christian in there, but it was obviously before Paul uh, was involved with it. But, but here we see the, the power of the gospel in a man's life uh, in here. And that was the gospel set him free from a godless society to be serving a living God so that his name no longer would mean belonging to, to uh, Aphrodite, but would mean belonging to Jesus. And that's what Epaphroditus became in there, a trusted man, a man of integrity in that, And we, we know that because of what the, the church in Philippi did. The, Philippi, the church in Philippi was going to send um, uh, something to Paul to help him while he was in, the prison, in prison in Rome. So they collected, which most likely was money uh, because um, of, of him having to travel to, uh, to Rome to take it. So we know that the church saw this man and trusted him and believed in him as a man of integrity. As a matter of fact, when Paul talks about him, he calls him three different things. He calls him, first of all, um, Epaphroditus, my brother. So we know that he was a member of of the family of believers. We, he calls him secondly my fellow worker. He had the same objective as Paul did and then he calls him a fellow soldier because he he is uh, someone who defends the faith of God in that. But we also know that he was not only a man of compassion and character and commitment, he was a man of courage. He put, he put service before his own security in there. And we know that because, because Paul said he almost died for the work of Christ, live, risking his life. Now, Epaphroditus went from Philippi, the church at Philippi, to Rome. It's 729 miles from Philippi to Rome. And um, that's about how far it is from here to my house, as a matter of fact. And I can make that trip in about... 13 hours in my F-150. Epaphroditus didn't have an F-150. And the only way that he could get there was to walk 729 miles. Now, he did have to go across the Adriatic Sea, so he did have a a ship cruise in there. So we know that what he had to do was very risky. And, And during all of this, he had whatever the gift was from the church at Philippi, again, which was most likely money, that he was taking over there. And and the trip was probably what almost cost him his life uh, because he was willing to risk his life uh, to give help to Paul. Now, the interesting thing about this in this passage is Paul says, Honor men like him. Honor men like him. So when Paul says that, I'm thinking that when God is looking for men. He's looking for men of compassion and character and commitment and courage in there. Men who are willing to to uh, stand firm in their Christian faith in the face of a godless society. Men who are willing to to work hard and to give their life to serve uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve others uh, for Christ. And Paul says in there, honor men like him. One of the things that Paul said about his ministry that um, he, um, of how he did his work is found over in the book of the Theles- Th- Th- Thessalonians. And here's how he described his ministry. And uh, one of the things um, that we need to look for when we look for someone to lead us, is someone with Paul's concept. He says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. You had become so dear to us. A young six-year-old boy had uh, an older sister that was dying uh, of uh, a blood disorder. And she had to have a blood transfusion transfusion in order to survive. And the only match they could find for her was her six-year-old brother, her younger brother. And so mom and dad talked to the boy and said, here's what we need. And and, um, they asked him, would you be willing to do a blood transfusion for your sister so that she may live, and he agreed and said yes. And so, they—it um, was a direct transfusion—and so they were in the bed, uh, beds next to each other, and they did the they did the transfusion that saved her life. And after it was over, the little six-year-old boy looked at his mom and dad and he said, "Now, when do I die?" He thought that giving her his blood meant that he had to give his life. And he was willing to do that. That is Epaphroditus. That is the kind of man that he was and that is the kind of people God wants us to be. So David asked me if I would have just a word of, of uh, encouragement and, uh, and hope for the church in looking for a new, uh, a new pastor. And I'm, I'm hurt I was not one of the 65, by the way. <laughs> um, But uh, earlier in this passage, Paul also talks about Timothy. Timothy, he says, I have no one like him. Timothy, as you know, was very uh, well known. He served in the church in Corinth and Thessalonica and Philippi and Colossae and Ephesus. He went with Paul on his second and third missionary journeys uh, and was very, uh, very well known uh, in the the Christian world and very experienced in it, in there too. And uh, I was telling... um, one of your pastor search committee members that i have a name for you for your pastor and uh, and i want to tell you who it is when you're looking for a pastor it doesn't always have to be a timothy it'd be great if it was timothy and with all that experience and knowledge and all of that sort of thing and, and, and Timothy is very popular, and Timothy's a very, I know, I know a lot of people named Timothy. I know people now named Timothy. I have never met one person named Epaphroditus. <laughs> but when you're looking, don't look past Epaphroditus. Look for someone who not only has all the qualifications you're looking for, but look for an Epaphroditus. Look for someone who's willing to live among you and love you and be willing to give his life to you in every way possible in that. So that, so that his main goal is to be a servant and not to be served as lead pastor in that. Paul talks about Epaphroditus' gift a little bit later in Philippians and he says it was a fragrance pleasing to God and that that is what we should be we should be a fragrance pleasing and a sacrifice pleasing to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior this church is a church that God has had its hand on from the very first day and all of these miracles and the Many others that took place in those first 15 years of the church are what has made this and given this church a place in this community here. You carry on. Uh, don't, don't be discouraged. And uh, uh, you ask God uh, for not only who your senior pastor would be, but you ask God to help you be an Epaphroditus to in that let's pray together and our father I'm just so grateful that new covenant church is and I'm also grateful that wrapped up in its history it's all it's all you and everything that you did to, to move it from one phase to the next phase to the next phase, and the miracles that you provided in, uh, uh, in the life of the church and in the people of the church. And I pray that you would bless them with your firm direction in uh, their choice of a pastor and their choice of ministry as Epaphroditus' in each and every life. Thank you that we honor the Lord Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.
0: This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. NCCABQ.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.